Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. In today's episode, I speak with Jerry Duffy all about goal setting. So if you find you're struggling getting clear on your goals or sticking to your goals or getting distracted by shiny object syndrome, as they call it. I have a great chat with Jerry all about how to get specific about your goals and how to stay motivated. And we really get into the details of this. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, Jerry, to the Happier at Work podcast. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? I can indeed, yes. And thanks for having me on, Aoife. So Jerry Duffy is my name and I'm a full-time speaker in the areas of leadership, goal setting and public speaking. That's what I, that's what I love to get up to in my work time. Brilliant. And we met at Amanda Delaney's wonderful event, the We Can and We Will talk, and you spoke in that about all about goal setting and how it came across really, really resonated with me and it inspired me to, to ask you onto the podcast then. So do you want to talk a little bit more about goal setting and how people can set effective goals? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I do a lot of workshops and goal setting and I always ask people, you know, I, I often start with this question, you know, what advice would you have for me in terms of goal setting strategies? And usually you hear things like, you know, you need to have a clear vision of what you want to achieve and, you know, you need to write your goals down. And then I ask people, okay, and I do it in a very nice, respectful way, but I say, well, who here writes down their goals? Because you're telling me it's a good thing to do, that it'll really help you and support you in achieving your goals. Who here actually does it? And it's usually very low percentages of the room. And yet, you know, we, we, we know these things can have a value. And, you know, writing down our goals is one of maybe thousands of different goal setting strategies. But it's, it's, it's something I'm very interested in. It's the power of using simple strategies. Because very often, the way I used to go about my goals was I'd just go on, I'd, I'd kind of take action. I didn't use any strategies to achieve things. And I didn't achieve an awful lot up to, up to and including my mid-20s. Then I started to apply some strategies. If I'm being honest, it was in my very late 20s um, when I did it. And I really got really focused, 27, 28, 29. And I started to use simple strategies to, to achieve my goals. And they started to have an impact. So I became a lot more interested in it. And, and I now have hundreds and hundreds of, of really simple things that, that I might use to support me. And I love to share those ideas with people and show them how they might be able to help them achieve whatever they might want to achieve in their business or in their personal life or whatever. Oh, that's I mean, I can really relate to that. Just what you're saying about writing down your goals, because cognitively, like you say, we know that writing down our goals really helps us. And I'm guilty of this as well. I'll I'll think of it in my head and I'll, you know, I might even have a to do list in my head and I'll go through that and I'll think, oh, and I want to do this and this and this. But genuinely, if I haven't written it down of like these are the even if it's just three things, these are the three things that I want to achieve today it's very unlikely that I'll actually get through all of them. Yeah, that's probably one of the, one of the that, that tip probably sits at the top table of goal setting. And it's such a simple thing. And we could all, we all could do it. And many of us, you know, you hear people say, I really love to achieve this goal, you know, whatever it is. But we don't apply any strategies to get there. So we kind of leave it up to chance to kind of get there. But, you know, the feedback I get on writing down your goals is, you know, it can help you. Like success rates can reach 70, 80, 90% not just by writing it down of course we need to do more than that but but it's like an aid to really carry us through until we get the goal done yeah and what do you think is really stopping people from writing down their goals 
I think it's maybe, from my perspective, maybe I wasn't aware of strategies to help me achieve my goals, if I'm being honest. And also, I used to leave the future to chance. And okay. now one of my key strategies, Aoife, is don't leave it to the future to decide what way your future is going to be because the future doesn't have anything planned for me. You know, 2020, my business, you know, we might say, well, you know, we might look at the economy and say the figures are good, the economy, things are going to be really good in 2020. But that's not the way the universe works. So what I've discovered is I need to control my future. And one way to control my future is to actually decide in advance what way my future is going to be and I start to apply these things and they, they start to have an impact so that motivated me to, to, to look at other strategies you know and, and a big one I've learned is you know to, you know right we might decide what we want we might need to get very clear on it and then to capture well why do you want this goal why do you want it so much because the why is usually the thing that will keep you going when you're not in the mood you know so you know to a student maybe that wants to graduate you know they might hit a wall in the third year of college or whatever it is well maybe reconnect them with, well, why do you want this qualification so much? And usually the why, you know, can can help ignite some emotion in us, and emotion creates emotion, and that's where the student might be reignited or further ignited to, to really keep going, even though a part of them is, wants to maybe give up. Okay, yes, yeah. So it's, there's, well, there's a few things that I'd like to pick up on there. Um, so you mentioned about the simple strategies getting there. Don't leave your future to chance. So it's about taking control of what your future actually looks like by implementing your goal setting or deciding this is how I want my future to be. And these are the steps that I need to take in order to get there. But really drilling down into the, well, what's the why, you know, and I, I like Simon Sinek, his whole thing is like start with why, like why is it that you want to achieve what you want to achieve? And I suppose continually reading about that, like reading your why every day and saying, OK, this is why I want to achieve what I want to achieve. And these are the steps that I need, knowing what steps I need to take in order to get there and doing those even when you you just don't feel like doing it, basically. And, and that's the time maybe to reconnect with the why. Yeah. Because, you know, you might, simple example, you know, you, you say it was somebody with a, with a weight loss ambition and want to lose maybe 14 pounds in weight. And they're a month into it and they're very motivated at the beginning, but then they go out for a walk every night, you know, as part of their strategy. But then they open up the door some night and the weather is, is not what they would like it to be. Maybe it's lashing rain. Now that we've hit a crossroads in terms of, of how much this person really wants this goal, at that time, you might be thinking about, oh, gosh, I have to go out in the rain. I'm not allowed to eat biscuits or whatever it is. Now we're focusing on what we have to do. And that we might be at a point where, gosh, do I really, really want this? But if you remind yourself that, well, why did I say I wanted to lose this weight? And maybe it's in terms of maybe securing my long-term health. Maybe it's I want to live to maybe see my grandkids. Maybe I want to get my cholesterol down because I know that it really needs to come down. Now the why is my just carry us through that weaker moment and maybe encourage us to go outside and do the exercise and i've never gone out for a walk and regretted ever doing the walk so um but the why can be a safety net to to carry you but the thing is you won't be in the humor for this you know you might be it might be easier to maybe give up on the goal so i believe i encourage people when they're writing their goals to write down why and when they hit a wall contract in advance with themselves that, they, that before they give up on the goal, they will remind themselves of why they wanted this goal so much in the first place. 
And, you know, it might be, you know, if there's a business owner listening to this, it might be to, we need to go and innovate a new product. And the process of innovating a new product, that can be difficult. Lots of challenging things that we have to do that are really test our motivation and maybe our, our, our even our knowledge and, and our time commitments. So we'd be thinking about, oh, gosh, I have to do this, that, or the other. But if we say, well, the why we need to innovate this new product is because it's going to safeguard the future of this company for the next five years. If you tap into that when you're not in the mood, you know, that's far more likely to carry you through to, to closure to actually get the product to market. Yeah, yeah. I can really resonate with the, what you said about the weight loss. So I've recently lost, I think I'm about 13 kilos now. And in that weight loss journey, it was an online program that I did. And that was the whole like remembering your why, but reading about your why every day so that, that it's um it's there. But also what you said about contracting in advance. So it's becoming aware of what are the things that are tripping you up as you go along? What are the things you're telling yourself? What are the things that you're thinking and preparing for those in advance? So um, or pre- preparing for other things in advance, even. So like if you're going out for dinner, I was like, I, I can check the menu in advance and I can decide what I'm going to have rather than getting there going, well, I've had a really long day and I'm feeling pretty tired and I'd love a bit of comfort food um, instead of like a nice healthy salad or some you know um chicken and vegetables or something like that um so I really really like that approach of like thinking in advance of what are the things that might interrupt you especially yeah we're coming into winter now in Ireland where the weather is not going to be very favorable it's going to be cold it's going to be wet it's going to be dark so getting out for a run or getting out for a walk is going to be difficult but even saying to yourself well what is it that I want to achieve with this and I want to you know, I want to maintain my healthy lifestyle throughout the winter as well as going into the summer. So kind of staying focused on that, I suppose. Yeah, and you also mentioned something which I find very interesting there, but you, you mentioned a very specific number of kilos that, yeah. that was your target. And that's another thing I've learned about goal setting. You know, people have very commendable goals, like I want to get fitter, I'd like to be healthier, I want to grow my business. They're very commendable goals. But they're also the equivalent of buying an airplane and saying to the pilot, you know, take me to America. The pilot is not going to take off with that limited destination. So what I've discovered is the more specific we can be with our goals, you know, so all of a sudden I want to lose five pounds in weight. That denotes weight loss. I, I want to be able to run five kilometers in under 30 minutes. Now we have a specific destination in mind. It's much easier to come up with a plan for a specific destination than how do we get to America? yes yeah yeah very true yeah i like this whole idea of and that was one of the things that you mentioned in your talk as well about being really specific about it i think it was the golf that you mentioned at the time i want to be a better golf player yes that was it and i said that for 20 years yeah i want to be a great golfer yeah and and, and i I changed that whole strategy at the end of 1998 i I said you've got to be really specific here so I defined what a great golfer was. You know, I'm doing some work with a client at the minute and, and they, they, they have defined what a great company would look like in three years' time. They've clearly said, this is what a great company, our great company needs to look like in three years' time. So they've got very specific areas of focus, very specific numbers, very specific profitability, very specific in terms of the products that they will have to market, who will be buying the products, where the market is going to be bought in, very specific, very measurable. And and that's the thing about goals, you know, a goal should be so clear that if you wrote it on the wall and you invited me to come and look at it, we would it would be so clear to me, we wouldn't even need to speak. That's the kind of 
I believe great goal setting looks like. And also, I encourage people to put deadlines on their goals. Like, I want to lose five pounds by when? You know, yeah. we want to have this, we want to grow the business to this level of percentage. By when? The more specific we can be with deadlines, the more likely we are to get there. And it just helps us to get even more focused. Yeah, yeah. So if you have if if you have a limited amount of time in which to do it, I find sometimes with me, if a deadline is too far away, I tend to leave it till the last minute and put a lot of pressure on myself. I'd actually prefer shorter deadlines. That's how I work better. I, I work more effectively with shorter deadlines. But like if there's no deadline at all and it's just I want to like, you know, if you're saying if I, I want to lose five pounds, but yeah, but but how quickly do you want to lose it or what's the, the kind of end goal in mind? Um. Yes. Something else I wanted to pick up on as well is, and it's something that I've kind of thought of recently, and I'd love to get your input on this, is the the concept of it's kind of, it's what you do every day. And what I'm trying to focus on is my goal is to do, um, I don't want to say like work towards my goal. My goal is to do X, Y, Z every day. And that's the goal in itself, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So rather than reaching a time in the future where it's like, and I want to achieve this, it's thinking about what what do I do every day? And if I do X, Y, Z every day in line with the vision that I have of what my future will be like, then um, then I've achieved my goal for that day. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a bit like, you know, I was speaking in a school quite recently and, and you know, a, a line I often use is what you do every day is far more important than what you do once in a while. Yeah. And when you think about it, what we eat every day is far more important than, than what we eat once in a while. What exercise we do every day is far more important. You know, so you could, it, it's a bit like, you know, if, if, the, if the final school exams are on in June, you know, it's what you're doing in September, October, November every day is much more important maybe than cramming it all in at the last minute. It's a much more effective way to get there, I believe. Some people will, will maybe use the other strategy, but I tried that strategy and I definitely think, you know, doing a little bit every day, is, it's a much more valuable strategy yeah, yeah. To, to, to get there. You know? Yeah, I'm learning a lot about um, taking small steps. So I tend to be the kind of person who takes giant leaps. So I'll give you a few examples of that. I I went traveling around Southeast Asia, but I didn't just take a holiday. It was like a six month trip and um, you know, I tend to take these giant leaps and I, I don't even really think twice about it. Uh, I took a trip around Ireland recently where it was supposed to be a holiday, but, you know, with a little bit of business thrown in as well. And when I kind of reflected on it, I ended up doing um, eight counties in 11 days. So I was traveling a couple of hours every single day. And I like I said, I had a bit of business thrown in. So I was meeting with people. I was attending networking events. I had a speaking engagement Um so I tend to do things by these giant leaps without even really catching myself before I do it. But I am learning to pair that back a lot and to um, <clears throat> to take kind of a small steps approach towards what I want to achieve. There's a wonderful story that I think aligns with the strategy of what you're sharing with the listeners. And there was a man called John Neighbour. And in 1972, he was 18 years of age and he was his first year in college. He was a very good swimmer. Now, he wasn't at the time an outstanding swimmer, but he was a very, very good collegiate swimmer. 
when he identified a goal, when he said, I want to win a gold medal, he was inspired by watching Mark Spitz win seven gold medals in 1972. So inspired that he said, I'm going to win a gold medal in four years' time. But he was a long way short in terms of the time. So he's, the particular... The particular discipline was the 100 meter backstroke and he was three and a half seconds slower than the time that won it in 1972 when he made this decision not only that but he factored in that even that time four years further down the line wouldn't be good enough so he factored in he'd need to get four seconds faster than he currently was over just 100 meters which is a colossal gap to make up but he came up with this really simple but powerful strategy where he decided to break it down and I think very quickly people will, will see where he went with this. It's so simple, but it worked. So he broke it down. Well, it's not four seconds. It's one second this year and one second next year and one second the year after and one second the year after. He figured out he wouldn't swim 12 months of the year. He'd swim 10 months of the year. So he worked out that every month he had to get an average of one-tenth of a second faster over 100 meters. He broke it down further into days and he broke it further into hours. And he, he knew he would swim four hours a day, six days a week, and he would do it for 10 months a year. And he committed to doing it for literally four years. And he worked out that every hour he'd improve in that hour just by one twelve hundredth of a second. But he worked out if he did that on average repeatedly, four hours a day, six days a week, for 10 months a year for four years he would achieve his goal. He also knew that the gold medal was technically outside of his control. So he didn't want to dedicate four years of his life to coming fifth, doing a great time but coming fifth. So he defined what success was. And success, he defined four years in advance would be 55.5 seconds. He said, if I can do that, that's, that's exactly, that's success. And so he said about that, he put four years of life into it. He got into the pool in Montreal in the Olympics in 1976. And he swam 100 meters backstroke and he touched the wall in a time of 55.49 seconds. And he won the gold medal. Wow. Wow. That's such an amazing story of how he broke it down. And I love what you said as well about what's in his control versus what's out of his control. And that's something I'm, um, you know, talking to people about a lot recently as well. The whole idea of really focusing on what's actually within your control. So he didn't control whether or not he was able to get the gold medal, but he set a really specific goal about the time that he wanted to do it in on the assumption that that hopefully that's good enough to get the gold medal, assuming that no one else does it in a quicker time. Yes, and he knew it was going to be a world record because it was a time that had never been achieved. Okay. He and he factored, well, if I can do it, there's a good chance. You know, I, I bring this into working with a client in the last year around strategy for their company. And they, they originally wanted to win when they started working with myself and a colleague a year ago. They, they told me they wanted a big, a big win, a big small business award. And I said, well, what happens if you dedicate a year or two of your business life to this and you don't win the award? What happens? I said, awards are just opinions. You know, you could have a great company, but somebody might say, well, you're not due the award. So now he's defined what a great small business would look like. And he's got very specific metrics around that. And that's what they're working towards. It's a bit like the gold medal is outside of your control. But what is in your control? What would you be so happy? What specifics would you be so happy to achieve? And then creating a plan to get there. It's, it, there's a very good chance he will win the award if he does this. But if he doesn't, he'll have grown his company and defined and created a, a, a great small business as he defines it. Yeah, yeah. Now with that saying, I really, really like that whole concept of 
yeah what's in your control versus what's out of your control and like you say the this whole the recognition that's coming externally that's out of your control that's someone else's opinion like you said and it's really about focusing on well what is it that I can do and and I'm sure it's you know he wants to create a great company and if someone else recognizes him for being a great company that's wonderful but I suppose the achievement of the goal in itself is to create a great company that's it yeah as he defines it yes yeah 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 however he defines it um that's great and so what other kind of sim you mentioned some simple strategies what other simple strategies can people implement yeah so 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 lots of, you know lots of goal setting ideas for sure you know one and i love to love to kind of think outside the box one thing in terms of goal setting you know we people hear people saying i don't have the time and yeah. what i discovered is you know i think we do have the time we just we we often let time control us so there's a there's a quote from a man called Jim Rohn, who you might be familiar with. Yes, and yeah. Jim Rohn says, either you run the day or the day runs you. Either you run the week or the week runs you. So a bit like, you know, 2020 has nothing planned for you and me. Next week has nothing planned for us either. And what I've discovered is if I'm willing to plan a great week ahead, that's one of the most effective things I can do for my business in terms of goal setting for next week. So over the weekend, I will decide in advance what success looks like next week. I will maybe cast my mind forward a week and I'll imagine I'm looking back on next week, a week in advance. So I'll imagine, say I do this on Sunday. So I'll cast my mind forward to the following Sunday, this Sunday. And I say, what would I be so glad I'd done by this day next week? And they become my biggest priorities for the week. I write down what two or three big goals I really want to achieve. And so that would define success this week. And then I will schedule in advance I will schedule in advance. The key words here are in advance. All this is done in advance. I will schedule in advance the activities I need to do to achieve those goals. If I did this a month ago, realistically, I don't know what next week looks like. I have a very good idea now because we're recording this on a Friday. But, but even over the next 24 hours, something could change. But by Sunday, I'll have a very good idea what 90% of my week is likely to look like. So I would schedule what's realistic. For example, I just got tied up into a meeting literally an hour ago that I didn't know when I woke up this morning for next Tuesday morning. So if I scheduled to do these activities last last week, that's not realistic. So now I know Tuesday morning there's two hours that I don't have available. But I will schedule all the activity in advance. And one final thing I do to make sure that I do all these things, I do this thing called check-in Wednesday. And well, I, I'll throw it out to you what because it's, it's a very simple concept, but what do you think check-in Wednesday might be about? It's checking, I suppose, how much of your week has gone according to plan and what you've achieved so far and giving yourself a pat on the back saying, okay, this is what I've achieved and then looking forward to see if anything needs to change for the remainder of the week. That's what that would mean to me. And and that's exactly it. But what I used to do was I used to wait until the end of the week to check in and and it's too late. You know, I could say, oh gosh, I wish I'd done this, that or the other. And so we control time or time controls us. And I've learned on a Wednesday just to stop for five minutes and get out of that busy, urgent things that we all do that are so important, but just stop and reflect, well, hang on now, I said these three things, you know, you reconnect with your list, basically is what you do. You reconnect with what you said were the big things you really wanted to achieve. You reconnect with the activity you said you were gonna do. And you take an honest look in the mirror and you say, well, how am I doing? 
am I still doing these things or do I need to really get myself together over the next two days because I still have an opportunity to react if I do it on Wednesday. If I wait until Friday, that time is gone forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can really resonate with that. Um, there was something you mentioned, Jerry, that I wanted to pick up on and it's the whole idea of what does success look like? And it's something that in my corporate role, we used to work with clients and and that's what you know what does success look like in a year from now so if a client is coming to me and saying uh Aoife, you know we've worked brilliantly together for this past year um what does that actually mean to the client and and how can we define that together and what does a successful relationship between us actually look like so it's something that i'm aware of but it's probably not something i'm necessarily implementing and it you know it's something that's kind of come up again and again but it is really useful to define in a year's time or in a month's time or in a week's time, what does success actually look like within that time frame? What will I, you know, when I get to Friday or when I get to Sunday and I look back on my week and I think, wow, that's been a really, really great week. What what will I have done in order to make that a really, really great week? So I really, really like that that approach. Um and this whole idea of planning in advance as well. And I wonder what what actually stops people. So what gets in people's way from clarifying in advance what it is that they're going to do? Yeah, in terms of question, I, I think, you know, we, we tend to spend, I remember reading a book um, called Thinking Fast and Slow, written by a man called Daniel Kahneman. Yes, and yeah, yeah. He talks about the two different types of thinking that we do as humans. He said we do a thing called system one thinking and system two thinking. And if we go into a coffee shop in January, um, you know, the kind of things that we usually hear, are, this is going to be the year, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to grow the business, I'm going to get a new job, I'm going to travel, I'm going to save, I'm going to buy a house or whatever it is. We come back a year later, we possibly will hear people saying a lot of the same things. I said this for years, I want to run a marathon. But I always said it on what he would call that system one thinking, which is the easy thinking, the effortless thinking. He said, if you really want things to change, he said, you've got to change your thinking. You've got to do the, the system two thinking. And let me give you an example to bring it to life. So if I said to you, what's, what's two and two? Most people would immediately reply four. Now that's, that's easy thinking, for, thankfully for many of us, you know, it's effortless thinking. But if I said to you, what's 12 times 12, take away 17, add four, it would probably take you eight, nine seconds to work out if the answer is one, three, one. Because that's because you have to go into a different place in your head. You have to go into that deeper thinking, that effortful thinking rather than the effortless thinking. So bringing this back to your question, if there's some, if we want things to change, if we want things to be better, the first thing, it was Einstein who said, you will never solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created the problem. So the very first thing we need to change or improve is our thinking. Brilliant. I, yeah, I like that you've, yeah. I have never heard that phrase before from Einstein, actually. You can't solve a problem using the same thinking that, that was used to create the problem in the first place. Yes. Wow. I've never heard that before. So that's brilliant. Um, and is there, are there any other tips then that people can use? So we, you said something about motivation there earlier. Um, can you talk a little bit more about motivation and how, how can people stay motivated? Is, is that really ba- going back to the why and connecting back to the why? Well, there's lots of ways, I think, to stay more motivated. But, but if I had only one story to share, this would be it. So I want you to imagine that you have a young child who comes to you and says, 
mom, dad, I want to do, I've heard the kids are doing ballet, I want to sign up for ballet. So the child come, you sign your child up for ballet and the first week they come back and you say, well, tell us about the ballet. Oh, it was so exciting. And they said, do you like ballet? I adore ballet, it's brilliant. Well, what did you do this week? Well, we did this thing called the basics of ballet. A week later, the child comes back. What did you do this week? Well, we did the basics of ballet. We did this thing called a routine. And what was it like? Oh, it was fantastic. And what do you think of ballet? I really love ballet. A week later, the child comes back. What did you do this week? Well, we did the basics and we did the routine. And what was it like? Yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, it was real fun. Yeah. A week later, the child comes back. What did you do this week? Well, we did the basics and we did the routine. What was it like? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was good. A week later, the child comes back. What did you do this week? Well, we did the basics and we did the routine. What was it like? Ah, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. A week later, the child comes back. What did you do this week? Well, we did the basics and we did the routine. What was it like? It's ballet. Like, sure, you know what ballet is like. Like, why do you keep asking me these questions? So what's changed there? And, and I, I often tell it, it's a very simple story, but it, it, I believe it relates to what, what's changed for the child is there. The routine got familiar. The routine became the routine. You know, the growth stopped. They had The child had the growth in the early period, but then the growth stopped because, you know, maybe somebody else was in charge. And what I've discovered is there's many ways that we can, you know, either be motivated or stay motivated. One of the areas is happiness comes from growth. So, you know, um, one of the things I love about my business, and maybe it's because I run, I'm fortunate to run my own business, but also I have to be the driver of, of innovation in my business because otherwise, it, it, you know, the enterprise that doesn't innovate, Peter Drucker said it, will, will, will inevitably change and decline. But I, I am constantly trying to improve my products Apart from the fact that I need to do it to stay attractive to my companies and my clients, but also I know I'll be more motivated because if I do the same thing every day and I don't do anything to innovate that, the ballet story shows us slowly my motivation, I mightn't even realize it, but over weeks, months, years, my motivation to do what I do will slowly die. So I decided the opposite of that you know, is to just continually just grow a tiny bit because we're like flowers, right? We're growing or we're dying. So in my experience, one of the secrets to sustain motivation is to have, it doesn't have to be relentless growth, but, but some level of growth in whatever it is we're doing is a huge asset to sustain motivation. Yeah, no, I really like that approach. This whole idea of, um, I mean, it's a fundamental need that humans have really, isn't it? That this need, this desire to continually improve. And if you're in a situation where it becomes familiar and you're not really having that level of growth that you would like, um, then it, it really impacts on your your motivation, and it, what you as you were talking, something occurred to me, and this whole concept of the one percent improvement. So if you try and improve yourself one percent every week for an entire year, then you end up thirty seven times more effective than you were at the beginning of that year. So by just having a one percent improvement, then you can, and it, it goes back to this like it's the little steps. It doesn't have to be a huge change it's these little steps of minor modification or a minor improvement but doing that consistently over time means that you're getting the growth that you need to stay motivated but you're also improving your business yeah so i do a lot and you you and i met at one of these engagements but i do a lot of professional speaking so i probably be presenting on average about three times a week and it's usually on, on the same topics like the core core areas that I cover around leadership, goal setting, and public speaking skills. And but you know, very often in goal setting, like I'm doing the same things all the time, but I'm always looking at ways to innovate, just even to tweak 
what I do. You know, and that might be, you know, if you saw me five years ago as a speaker, I'd like to think I'm unrecognizable because I, I've, whether it's getting, you know, speaker coaching or whether it's just coming up with new ideas or new stories or just new products for, or new ways to present my information, you know, I might present it, have always shared a goal setting strategy, you know, uh, on, on writing your goals a particular way, but how can I, how could I present writing your goals in a better way? How could I, how could I be more engaging to people? How could I involve my audience more? And, you know, I use a flip chart now a lot, and I never used a flip chart five, six years ago that I can recall. Now I, I use a flip chart 90% of the time rather than PowerPoint. PowerPoint is still great if it's used effectively, but I, I'm much less dependent on PowerPoint than, than I, or I use it a lot less than I would have in the past. But even something innovating a flip chart, I might, in the old days, I would have used the same colors, you know, maybe blue or black. Now I use colors on a flip chart for particular reasons, because if I want to highlight something negative, I use a red marker. If I want to highlight something positive, I might use a green marker. And they might seem like, gosh, Jerry, does that really give you happiness? But it's the innovation of how I do and the impact I can see that it has on audiences, which heightens my motivation to, to become even better all the time. Yeah, brilliant. I was at a, another kind of a more of an interview rather than a talk a few months back. And it was with um, Sonia Lennon and Brendan Courtney. And like something that Sonia said really resonated with me. And it, it was really about you have to start somewhere. So oftentimes we kind of look at these you know, like big, big goals that we have and we think either think, oh, I'm, well, I'm never going to get there. But it's about the little steps that you take to, to kind of bring you on the way. So you might not have thought five years ago I'll be using a, a flip chart, but it, that's about innovation. But if you think about it from another perspective, you're thinking, OK, and this is where I want to be in my business or this is where I want to be, um, you know, in, in my career or whatever it might be. And taking those little steps every day to help you towards that goal. Absolutely. It, it, it's, you know, and sometimes we do the opposite. We try and dive in the deep end and we don't have the skills to swim there. And let me give you a simple example. On a goal setting seminar, I was running a, a gentleman identified this goal that he wanted better work-life balance. And I shared with him, I, sorry, I asked him, I said, what, what would that, what would success look like? What would, what would, if you had it, what would you have? And he said, well, I'd be at home at six o'clock every evening, Monday to Friday, to spend time with my kids. So we started about creating the future that he wanted. And I said, right, well, what, what would next week look like? Well, I'd be home every evening next week from Monday to Friday at six o'clock. And a little alarm bell went off in my head, Aoife, and I said, okay, I asked him this question. I said, what's your standard at the moment? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, how often at the moment are you home before six o'clock to spend time with your children? Oh, I'm never at home. And this, the alarm bell got louder in my head. And I said, okay, that's interesting. So next week you want perfection. You want to be home every evening. And I said, you, you, that's diving in. You want to swim in the, in the deep end of work-life balance to be home every evening. And you haven't ever got into this pool before. Like you're not in this pool at all because you're never at home at six. So what I saw was he was trying to achieve something that he hadn't yet shown the ability to do. And I said, well, what about setting a smaller goal, but something that would challenge you a little bit that would define success. Because I asked him, I said, what happens if you achieve it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you're very committed to it on Friday, but just something unexpected happens at four o'clock, that means you can't go home. How are you going to feel? Oh, I'll have failed. I said, okay. I said, what about doing the opposite? What about underselling and overperforming maybe? So he, from there he identified, well, success next week would be twice. 
and we celebrate that and if you do it three times well then we've an even bigger celebration but but if he couldn't do two he definitely wasn't going to be able to do five and also we didn't say it has to be monday and wednesday because that mightn't be realistic it's something unexpected could happen so his goal became i'm going to do two days over the five and it was a much more i call it underselling maybe an old performing i call it starting in the shallow end and treading water getting wet but in water that's safe that doesn't that doesn't envelop you and slowly over time maybe over six or eight weeks inch your way down to a deeper end of the pool before finally maybe getting out of a debt but that you now have the ability to swim there yeah now i really really like that approach this whole i'm guilty of it as well all the time where i try and take a, a dive into the deep end rather than but i'm learning to take it you know you have to start somewhere so it's just getting started and once you start then you can build up the momentum around doing it and I like the this whole idea of well he set this goal of doing it five days going from zero to five but actually why not try go for two instead and it reminded me of something else as well so when you said that if he if he um wasn't able to achieve five that he would feel like a failure and something else I, I was listening to recently and it was about quitting smoking and in it they said you know you could you could have stop smoking for let's say for 100 days and you decide on day 101 that you're going to have a cigarette and then you're back to you're back to zero then and you're you're counting the the days since you've had a last cigarette rather than focusing on but there's 100 days that I didn't have a cigarette and I need to celebrate those and there's just one blip so I can go back to saying okay so out of 101 days I had one cigarette and let's go to 102 and you're not starting from zero again you're saying well out of 101 days I've I've smoked on or I haven't smoked on 100 days rather than saying okay well I'm counting the days since I last had my cigarette so kind of a, a reframe of how you look at it yeah, and you've just, you've certainly triggered something very interesting in my head with that. If, uh, I was at a talk a couple of weeks ago and the speaker was talking about a, a client of his that he was working with that felt they had, they, they signed up for, for a particular sporting ambition and they wanted to do it at a particular time. And it was a year training would go into this. It was going to really challenge them. And they were, anyway, they completed it, but they were 15 minutes slower than they wanted to be. And so in their eyes, they failed. And, you know, what the, what the speaker was trying to share with him, because he was working with us, well, you know, maybe re, to redefine success. And when the person started to relook at, well, what are all the big wins I've actually got out of this experience? They've been introduced to a new sport. They've made a whole load of new friends. They've traveled to a beautiful country. They've got fitter than they've ever got in their life. But, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we look at success as, well, I, I have to, I have to, you know, achieved in a certain time and, and I, I can see where there's a value in that but sometimes we that person was prepared to write off and look at themselves as a failure because they, they've fallen short by 15 minutes which which I've learned that's a for me that wouldn't be a good way to do things I, I, I like to look at things from a, from a completely different lens now in terms of what success really is you know success for me today number one is how lucky am I to be able to get out of bed this morning because I know somebody in my own world literally that does not have that ability and it's only very recently they haven't got that ability to be and to be blessed with what i was able to do this morning yes i have business goals that i want to achieve this year but i have a whole other definition of success about what success looks like in my life yeah brilliant so it's about reframing you know what what do we actually define as success 
Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really like that. So, Jerry, if people want to find out more about you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so I guess in terms of this, you know, we run goal setting workshops and, and that kind of thing. Uh, do a lot of public speaking. I, I, I created a new program there just about two and a half years ago. And it's interesting you talk about, you know, small steps. But that small steps, I've seen huge value in it because it created a program called Speaker School and, and it's grown to be a very significant part of my business just in, in two and a half, three years. And, and uh, so it's a program I'm very excited about and, and, and I know we, 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 we do them all the time, but a lot of people, you know, I used to struggle. It was once my biggest fear was public speaking and I'm passionate now. It really excites me to just be able to share practical things I've learned to, to, to help people in that journey because so many people need to present for whatever reason, either in the role or the community, whatever it is. So if people are interested in those kind of things, I'm very easy to find. The website is, is jerryduffyacademy.com. Brilliant, brilliant. And it's funny you say about public speaking, because I think a lot of people have this fear of public speaking. It's a very, very common thing that people are like, I could never stand up and speak, you know, and they just have this complete another blocker in their mind about public speaking that, you know, I could never share my story or I don't have anything valuable to say or they're just downright afraid of standing up and losing their words or stumbling or afraid of judgment or whatever it might be. So it is a really, really common fear that people have. But it just goes to show you had that fear and now you you teach other people how to how to do that. Yeah, it, it, it's because it was such a comp- it was it was life changing for me. You know, I got so like yes, I wanted to do a particular presentation and and I was terrified of it, but I got so much more in terms of personal development out of confronting that fear because if something doesn't challenge us, it doesn't change us. And and that talk, my first ever talk, I was so afraid if I had to go to a hypnotist to speak to four people. That's how big of a, a challenge it was for me. It's interesting, you know, you said something there, but people say I, I'm I'm really bad at public speaking or I'm terrible at remembering names. And I've learned, you know, in terms of goal setting, maybe to change the words that come out of your mouth. You know, I used to be terrible at public speaking, but I'm very committed now to to improving on that. Or I'm really, I, I used to be really bad at remembering names, but I'm, I, I'm trying out this new strategy or I'm signed up for this course. So it will never change unless we change our thinking. And the next thing I believe we need to change is the, the word, the dialogue that we use. Yeah. Because unless we change that, we'll always be saying, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at public speaking, but what's that saying to the brain? You're telling yourself, you're reinforcing it when you say it. So I've learned the futility of that and a better way is, you know, but I'm very committed and I'm very ambitious to, to get better at it. And here's what I'm actually doing to make that come to life. Yeah, so a couple of things stand out there for me. It's this, like, it's the language that we use and especially the language that we use to ourselves and what we tell ourselves about what we can and what we can't do. But also this whole idea of, but I'm doing something about it. So not being uh, constricted by your self-imposed limitations, you know, and actually addressing those and overcoming your fears and, and taking the steps towards doing something about it. That could be a small step. You know, it doesn't have to be big, this giant leap, as we discussed. Um, it can be a small step towards making those changes that you want to make and not living within your own limitations and defining yourself by your limitations. Yeah, and I think, you know, eliminating the word hopefully from, from our vocabulary, because that's a word we hear a lot, hopefully this will happen, hopefully that will happen. You know, Katie Taylor, the, the great boxer, I don't think she would ever use the word hopefully. 
you know and if, if even if she did i think she would just do it simply out of modesty you can be guaranteed she's not thinking hopefully in her head yeah that's why she's so good at what she does oh i'm guilty of that myself all the time and i have to catch myself when i say things like hopefully oh hopefully that will work out or hopefully yeah no <laughs> just catch myself just being aware is the first step i suppose being aware yes. of the language that you're using noticing it and then trying to do something about it indeed yeah it, it's these simple things you know and also you know putting a value in yourself you know when people pay us a compliment and when we throw that compliment back in their face our brain is saying gosh yeah i'm not worthy of that compliment so i've learned if somebody is kind enough to pay me a compliment not to turn it into a negative comment and rather to accept it and say well that's very nice and thank you and you know your brain that makes the muscle the brain muscle stronger whereas deflecting it makes it weaker and so putting a value on ourselves is so so important even yeah yeah brilliant that's great. Thanks so much, Jerry. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you very much. That was Jerry Duffy speaking all about goals and goal setting. So I wanted to summarize exactly what we spoke about. So the first key tip is writing down your goals. You are more likely to achieve those goals. The second point I want to talk about is don't leave your future to chance. So you get to decide what your future is going to be like. And you have this opportunity by setting goals for what you want your future to be like. The other area is around contracting in advance. So I really liked this whole idea of setting yourself up for success. So contracting in advance, what will I do in case in this scenario? So if you want to go out for a run and, oh no, it's raining outside or it's too cold or it's snowing, what what will you do when that scenario happens? Or if you're in a bad mood or you're not feeling well or, you know, contracting in advance And what really, really helps with that is remembering why you want to achieve the goal so much. So remembering your why, whether that you read that every day or whether you reflect on it, but especially at the times when you really don't feel like doing what it is that will get you towards your goals. It's about remembering why you want the goal so much. Another key thing is to be really specific. So rather than saying what a great company looks like, it's defining what that what great means what great really really means to you so it can be the who it can be the where and it makes it much much easier to measure that goal as well another important area to focus on is the importance of what you do every day versus what you do once in a while so being consistent what in trying to achieve your goals Another thing I really liked about what he said was either you run the day or the day runs you, a quote from Jim Rohn. And thinking about, well, what does success look like? So really clearly defining what, you know, what, what does success actually look like for you? What will it look like? What will it feel like when you achieve that goal? The key point as well is thinking about things in advance so it's going back to this whole idea of the future setting up setting up setting yourself up for success in the future and designing what your own future is going to look like I liked this whole concept of the check-in Wednesday so rather than waiting till Friday to reassess whether you've achieved your goals checking in on Wednesday and seeing whether you're on track or not um, and as Jerry described reconnecting with your list and the final thought I wanted to leave you with is the idea around changing your language so rather than saying I'm a really poor public speaker it's I'm working on improving my public speaking so one last thing I wanted to say is if you know of anyone who you think would benefit from listening to the podcast absolutely feel free to share the podcast with them 
you should be able to share it directly from your podcast from wherever you're listening to the podcast and and also if you could take the time to rate and review the podcast because that will help other people to find out about me if you'd like to connect with me you can do so through my website which is empowermentcoaching.ie well there you have it thanks for listening to the happier at work podcast with Eva o'brien Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.